0: I think the biggest mind shift through the program was looking at it from the lens of sort of almost like you would with corporate America. Like I said, I've been investing for real estate for a while, and I never was big on DIY. Like, for example, I learned very quickly that if I had to pick up a hammer and do stuff, I wouldn't be doing this business very long. But I think the biggest mind shift is on the scaling side, looking at it as if you were in corporate America.
1: Hey, this is Paulik, and what you're about to hear is a very special episode with one of the investors from our Portfolio Mastery program. We call these Sensei Sessions. These interviews are designed to give you a perspective about what you can achieve with the right strategies and execution. I hope you enjoy this episode and be sure to check out the show notes for a link to speak with one of our senior advisors who can help you reach your investment goals.
2: This is Tasha Snipes. And so Tasha, let's just get started and, and and hear your story, where you are, what you do outside of real estate, and how did you get into real estate in the first place?
0: Sure, so um, I am based out of Houston, Texas, originally from St. Louis, but came down here for school and work and hung around. Um, I have two children, married. I have an eight-year-old and a one-year-old, I started the program when my youngest was about five months. Um, and so I felt like she grew up in the program with me, you know? So there have been several calls where she's attended and been on my lap and things of that nature. Um, my day job and night job is I'm a partner, um, at a large law firm. Um, I do, um, patent litigation. So something that has absolutely nothing to do with real estate. Um, I've been interested in real estate for as long as I can remember, or probably since law school. Um, I've always been interested in investing. And when I was in law school, I was doing an internship. And as a lawyer, um, we have to be very careful on insider trader um, laws, because we get access to confidential information and various firms put in various protections to protect against that risk. Well, when I was starting out in you know law school and I wanted to invest, and you know, I got my first you know chunk of money that I wanted to do something with, I realized that the firm that I was invet- interning at, you had to get permission to buy and sell stocks. So I was like, okay, yeah, that's not going to happen. <laughs> I need to find another asset class because I'm not going to let you know a job tell me what investment i can and cannot do and so that's when i said okay what other asset classes can we do and that's when i started reading books about real estate
2: beautiful so, so i i'm we're going to get into the actual property purchasing that you've gone through after going through the program but i have i mean, a mom of a baby and an eight-year-old and a busy lawyer, like, how do you manage your time? Like, can you give us some tips and tricks first? And then we're going to get into more of the deals and things like that that you have. Sure. So a couple of mind shift things. For me,
0: um, I hate the phrase, I don't have time. Hate is too strong of a time. But I try to stop myself when I think about that and rephrase it of, is it a priority or not? When I, For me, when I rephrase something from I don't have time to it's not a priority or it is a priority, then the mind starts to kind of shift, at least for me, to finding time. You know, if it is a priority, how much time am I, and you don't feel like you have time, how much time am I on social media? How much time am I watching mindless TV? You know, am I waking up? Things that I challenge myself when I find myself making that, that, Quip of, I don't have time. Um, and I'm talking about something that is a priority to myself. I start to evaluate where I'm spending my time. Um, when I feel that I need to really focus and dive into something, I tend to wake up early around 5. AM I don't do this often. Um, I, I would love to sit here and tell you that I, I wake up every day at 5. AM and I'm super disciplined. I'm not, um, I am disciplined when the need arises. Um, And so if I have a lot going on, um, I tend to wake up early and get a lot done between the hours of 5 a.m. and 7 Mm. a.m. So that is one thing. And then the mind shift of prioritization and really challenging myself on the lack of time thing.
2: And the growing your real estate portfolio, how important is that to you that you have been able to prioritize this over and above maybe sleep? and netflix and things like that
0: it definitely is a high priority i do prioritize it over i don't watch much tv for example that's one of the ways that i fit things in um i literally you know i have you know times where i watch zero tv um that just works for me um i also have times where you know i'm kind of on a lull period and i watch tons of netflix and things of that nature but um It is a high priority to me. And so, you know, there are times where I prioritize it over other things. Um, I try not to prioritize over sleep, but sometimes that happens as well. But, um, you know, it's fitting it in and just um, not allowing myself to make excuses, I guess you could say.
2: Let's talk about your deals. How many properties you have. And in particular, the properties that you have purchased or acquired since being part of the portfolio program? Sure. So the properties that I have uh,
0: acquired since being a part of the program is two. Um, And it actually took me a lot longer to get those two or even just number one um, than anticipated. Um, It took me six months to get a deal accepted. And then the second deal I think was under contract within a month or five weeks, something like that. Um, and so it definitely got the ball snow rolling. Um, I have, I've been investing in real estate for a while. So, uh, my portfolio right now is actually 12, but two of the two properties that I purchased with, um, during the program are burrs. So all the ones were more turnkey. Um, and you know, I wanted to focus, and I am focusing on burr and scaling, and that's what draw drew me into um, burr type properties. Um, and so, yeah, that's what my portfolio looks like now.
2: What What you just said is something that Pollock talks about quite a bit, and you may have heard that if you've been on these calls. Is that you? You get one deal, like, and it maybe takes a little bit more time than you think, than maybe you anticipate, and then, and then <laughs> you hear it all the time. There, they come. Fast and Furious after that. So I think you were going to share with us one deal, or at least one deal's numbers, if yeah. you're able to and willing to. So you live in Texas. Where Where do you invest? Sure. So uh, the Burr properties are in Memphis, Tennessee.
0: Okay. Um, my husband's from there. We go there often. It's a uh, popular neighborhood or area for out-of-state investors. The numbers work. Um, and I care deeply about that community, um since you know that's where my family is. Um, and so that's where we invest.
2: I love that. I mean, because it makes sense number wise, but also emotion wise. it is something that you care about seeing positive change happening. Okay. So, uh, what'd you buy? How much? <laughs> what does it worth sure. now?
0: <laughs> well, the first property that I purchased, um it is by the university or the big university there, uh, University of Memphis. Um, it is a three bedroom, two bath. Um, I think I made three or four offers before this was accepted. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, it was under contract at least twice, maybe three times with other investors and fell out of contract. Mm-hmm. And so I just kept monitoring it and going back, kept monitoring it and going back. And, you know, I had one of the things I expressed to my realtor is I can close, like this deal has fell out of escrow at least twice. I am serious about that. And to show that I'm so serious, I actually put up quite a bit of money in escrow. I put in $5,000 in um, earnest money to show that, hey, I can actually close.
2: Yeah. And wait, when was this? This was a couple of years ago?
0: No, this is June. This is June.
2: Oh, oh of this year. Oh, like four or five months ago. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. Um, How did you find this house? Why was this house so important to you, this particular home? And then how'd you find your realtor? Because we really love the idea of, I I know Memphis is where you wanted to, but how did you find the particular location in Memphis? And then the house itself.
0: So I definitely spun my wheels on different areas in um, Memphis, um, and that's just trial and error. Um, But I found this particular area, um, actually my mother-in-law, uh, my mother-in-law called us one day and was like, you really should look at this zip code. Uh, there's some, you know, there's some properties that a lot of investors buy in. So consider it. Um, and, and true, like, you know, okay, mother-in-law fashion. I kind of was like, mm. and then I actually looked, I was like, mm-hmm, she actually might be onto something. But well, you didn't <laughs> tell her, right? <laughs> <laughs> so that's how I found the neighborhood. Um, it was on the MLS. Um, it's. Needed a lot of work. Um, so I was pushing the Goldilocks principles um, on that. Um, but I was absolutely comfortable with that. Um, the The challenge to back up a little bit of why I was comfortable about that. One of the reasons why it took so long to find a deal um, was the ideal properties for Burr, the ones that needed the, the more cosmetic Goldilocks principles that are talked about, were going like that. And oftentimes going over asking. I mean, even today in the Memphis market, if you see a property that is priced well, that needs that, you know, more cosmetic light rehab, it's going to go quickly um, and probably even over asking. And so, um, you know, the numbers didn't work for those that all of my offers for that were getting rejected. Um, And so there was less competition with some of the heavier rehabs. Um, and so once I kind of wrapped my head around that, um, and felt comfortable with a contractor that can tackle that, um, that's what made me go, okay, well, you know, we can do this.
2: Mm -hmm. Okay. A lot of things I have questions about. So let's talk about the rehab, like, and then we're, we're going to dig more into the rehab in just a little bit, but what is the difference in your mind from the, the, the cosmetic ones that you were being priced out of and then this one that maybe needed a little more heavy lifting like what was the difference for you and and how did you like uh estimate that cost difference sure so
0: in my head the difference of like with what i'm calling at least for this conversation is more of the cosmetic is something that is you know replaced you know you take it out and replace it so uh and it's probably something that is um like a thirty thousand forty thousand dollar type rehab Um, so, you know, yes, it needs new kitchen, new bathroom and floors and paint. Um, but you know, and that's, you know, if, if I see those deals today and I can get it, I'll take those down all day. Uh, there's just so few of them in my market right now. Um, at least that are priced well. Um, and so that's about the 20, between 20 to $40,000 rehab, depending on, you know, all needs to be done. Um, The heavier rehabs and what this property needed is that it had a lot of mold and water damage. Um, It had a new roof. Um, The ceiling was missing from about a third of the house. Um, There was a lot of rotten wood. Um, And so it was um, a much bigger project. Um, I projected the rehab budget for that one was about 60,000 how i got comfortable with that was my contractor you know he gave me a line item budget and then also my lender gave me a spreadsheet and i said oh what about that well he didn't include that what do i think that will cost i'm going to add it to my lender budget even though it's not in my budget for rehab in case something comes up um and so sort of and that took a lot of time as far as you know trying to figure out okay the numbers and talking to my contractor. What is this? What about this? Does this include it? Um, including a, heath- a, a healthy contingency fee budget. Um, and then also when I was uncertain about a certain aspect of the renovation on the technical side, I have an engineering background. Although I'm a lawyer today, I'm an engineer. Um, and so details and sort of how things work and, you know, that's just is something that my brain gravitates to. I just went to YouTube how to replace, um, you know, rotten Joyce. And it wasn't that my contractor wasn't doing his job. It was just something that made me feel comfortable with when he would send me a picture. What am I looking
2: at? Yeah, for sure. I, so first of all, Pollock's an engineer and engineering folks unite, right. To have this, this. We're calling you is what I'm going to do. I'm going to call you. But um, how did, like, you're, first of all, you're out of state. You're out of state making this happen with a, um, with a pretty hefty rehab. So how did you find the people to help you? Because you couldn't do it yourself. You, you know, you're a new mom with uh, a big job. You need team. So how did you find the people to help you with this? And then I want to go through the rehab in a little bit.
0: (laughs) Sure. So. At first, I was getting um, recommendations through realtors. And I went through a couple of people where people just stopped picking up the phone. Um, You know, they would talk a good game and seem interested and things of that nature. And you kind of screen them and talk to them just like it's taught in the program. And at first, they were very interested. And then eventually, they stopped picking up the phone. And so um, I joined local um, Facebook groups. And there was a comment somewhere on there about the contractor. And I checked out their Facebook program or page. I was like, okay, the the pictures look pretty nice. And, you know, um, I interviewed him. And one of the reasons why I picked him is he was hungry. You know, he was on a younger guy, didn't have quite as much experience as some of the other contractors, but was really hungry to grow his business uh, and really wanted to do that. Um, and his references were great as well.
2: So it was just a comment in someone else's post and you like went down the trail and... Yeah, I can't even remember if someone
0: else commented or he commented. I honestly do not remember. Um, but it was just a comment in a Facebook group and um, a local group that I took that lead and ran with it.
2: One of the things in a past Sensei session we did with Ann and Randy, who's another pro and in Randy Betts, is they told us when they would invest out of state that they would go visit. So did you do a lot of traveling to visit? And I know you got family there too. So maybe you were able to do a little bit more of that, but did you meet with the contractor right away or how, how was that?
0: No, not right away. So I first started looking for deals in Memphis around Thanksgiving of last year. And so it took June, right? Before I actually got under contract the end of June, by the way. And so I started working with this particular contractor probably in March, February, March, I'm guessing. Okay. Um, And so I didn't meet him then. Um, I FaceTimed with them and talked to him on the phone and have him, things of that nature. And then when I was under contract, luckily so, we were going to Memphis anyway. Um, And so I met him at the property after we closed. I think they had just started, it was like, a week after we closed and they had just started like demo and things of that nature. So I walked the property with him happenstance because I was coming to Memphis anyway. And then just last week, we're finishing up that rehab um, any day now we're just doing the punch list. And so I went to Memphis again, this time specifically to see that property and the other one that I had in the contract and check with it and walk the property as well.
2: Congratulations, by the way, that was my next question is where are we in that? So he How'd he do? How is he doing with the rehab?
0: Yeah. So um I've definitely have been happy with the rehab. I have to remind myself and adjust expectations that contractors are not necessarily how things work in the corporate side of America. Mm-hmm. Um, things get behind track, you know, things of that nature. And I would say, in my experience, he's done better than most. For example, communication—he's pretty darn good with that. But the hiccups that we ran into weren't actually on the big stuff. Like this is a big rehab. I mean, we had to tear out like lots of sheetrock, lots of rotten wood, lots and lots of work. Um, and it wasn't that that actually was our hiccup. Our hiccups were actually the small things, like the countertops are back ordered, and. Um, the punch list. Why is it taking so long to go through the punch list? It's the small things of like, you know, um, I've noticed that. And and I think it was Pollock or actually said this as well in one of the calls, the contractors, they like doing the big stuff. They like tearing down walls or removing, um, you know, rotten wood. They don't really like putting on doorsteps and, um, <laughs> Making sure that blind or whatever, right? Yeah, that makes uh, sense. Yeah. And so that's that sort of like last ten percent has been painful. He also had an injury, so it's probably been more painful than usual because he actually was out of the field for like three weeks. It, uh, miraculously,
1: after- all their problems happened during the last ten percent of the project. Yes, yes.
0: <laughs> um, it's just
1: not not their skill set. That's what yeah. it is. Yeah. yeah.
0: Um, and so that's been, uh, definitely a challenge, but I do think that we are on track to wrap up this week. Um, I mean, we were talking about doorstops and, you know, everything like totally done. Like, yep. like, you know, super, you know, I'm hoping to have it listed this weekend.
2: Amazing. Congratulations. So is he also doing property number two? Yes. Um, and that was a, that something bigger.
0: And that was even bigger rehab.
2: Even that gave me chills. Okay. <laughs> let's <laughs> hang on. Let's do numbers for the first one. If you're okay with that. <laughs> and then do numbers for the second one that gave me chills. Cause like, Oh my goodness. But what is the first, the first numbers, if you don't mind. So purchase, sure. price Rehab hey, ARV. I
0: purchased that one for $96,000. Um, and this is a pretty big pro- size property for Memphis. It's about, 1,600 square feet, which okay. for Memphis, that's a, a nice size. Yeah, um, yeah. it's a three, two, wow. my renovation budget was 60. We're probably going to be about actually 51, 52.
2: What? Um, that's amazing. So,
0: um, I had a quite a bit hefty contingency in there. Um, and, um, and so some of that is luck. To be honest, some of that is spending time to really try to understand the budget, you know, ask questions and things of that
2: nature. Yeah. Um, Hang on. Let me just go into that really quickly. So Ann and Randy say congratulations. Um, but like when you d- dug in on the, the budget bucket, like what did you do that you think was different that helped you create this contingency? And Pollock has a question too.
1: <laughs> I was going to answer a question, but go ahead.
0: The spreadsheet that my lender gave me, which I don't think is any um, different than the spreadsheets that any hard money lender gives you. Um, I use Rain City for this particular project, these two projects, um, but spreadsheet, you spreadsheet, know, again, I don't think it was anything special. Um, but the part that actually made me sort of like spin my wheels but I think was a really good, important step in managing the budget was my contractor gave me a scope of work, right? Okay. And I added to that scope of work and things of that nature and even challenged him on some stuff. Did you think about this? Or think, does this include this? Are you sure you included enough for the demo and things of that nature? Um, and um, and then used that scope of work and filled out my budget through my lender. And the two had different categories. What I mean by that is the lender spreadsheets had something in there like rough plumbing. First of all, I was like, Google, what is rough plumbing, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> and then after that, I was like, oh, okay. They mean like plumbing that goes in walls. Okay. Well, there's no rough plumbing line item on my contractor scope of
2: work.
0: Oh, okay. You know, my scope of work might have like a bathroom right? And so I would say of that you know, $5,000 for the bathroom rental. How much do I think is going to be plumbing? Actually, that's a poor example because I actually did have a plumbing um, budget.
2: But, but yeah. um, I would take you like the plumbing sure that comprehensive. Yeah, you yes. made it way more comprehensive. Yes. Which is uh, really smart. I <laughs> <laughs> really smart.
1: Um, okay, go ahead, Holly, please. Yeah, I, I wanted to just answer uh, a question real quick. Um, and before I lose it, it like, went up in the feed again. <laughs> oh, would it... I think Karen had a question. Would it be smart yeah. to just get a handyman to do the punch list or is it better to just stick with the GC? So I'm going to say that this is something that comes up all the time. At the end of the project, majority of the GCs were very good at taking the project through all, almost all the way up to the finish line. They lose interest. They they're not good at that they are really good at like a crew of eight people comes in breaks everything down starts putting everything together again and then when it comes to those last things like hey that outlet isn't working it's just not their skill set right that's that's not what they're good at and so number one always leave a little i always tell my contractor can we leave like two thousand dollars until we do the final punch list but I found that it's so hard to get him in to do that work. He do, he's like, I don't even care about the $2,000, like keep your $2,000. I don't want to show up to do those little things. Like that is, the, that is the kind of mindset, right? Like I'm not good at that. So I want, ideally we want the contractor to finish the job completely. So that would be my first step. And then if there are a few things that are remaining, your property manager can do a walkthrough, um, they may charge you 80 bucks, whatever, hundred bucks, do a walkthrough, then they can um give you that punch list that you need so that is definitely an option and then have somebody else take care of it there's nothing wrong with it as long as the numbers make sense and you're comfortable with it one more thing that i wanted to mention here join those facebook groups it's not about how you find the contractors join you know go to angie's list join the facebook group all of those places are multiple places where you can find the contractor
2: Okay, you did uh Tasha just you, everything you've talked about has been so so good. And so to answer Kristen's question about her getting budgets of 75k for basic rehabs, she's asking where were you finding these cheap contractors? And you had mentioned that you joined all these local groups and were finding the ones who are hungry. So um it's it's kind of, it's about that relationship, right? A little bit you you vet yep. him, you talk to him, you had that conversation with him. So um any any more insight you might be able to share for someone else who's looking for a contractor that isn't so wildly expensive?
0: Yeah, um, and I know that there was talks about this in the program, but make sure that you're seeking out an investor-friendly contractor. There's a big, big difference between an investor-friendly contractor versus a retail contractor, someone who would like fix your personal home. Very different skill sets. Um, and very different expectations and business model. The investor one makes their money also volume, right? Repeat work, things of that nature, typically, typically, Um, versus the retail person, you know, think about it, they're probably not going to do work for that homeowner, at least a big one, again, right? Um, Versus the the investor one wants that repeat. So, you know, sometimes do you work with investors? How many? things of that nature. And that's kind of some of the first questions that I talked about. You know, if they start saying stuff, it's not a deal breaker, but if they start saying, yeah, I've worked with a couple or a few versus like, no, that's my business model. Um, those are kind of how you want to separate them.
2: Yeah. And like, get those questions out, ask those questions early so you have that answer. Okay. So what is the ARV of this first property?
0: I think the ARV is going to be about $185,000. That's
2: awesome. Um, Okay, so when did you say, "All right, Tasha, I'm I'm ready for another one"? How did that one come about, and how did you say, or you know, how did you make that decision to use contractor number one for this second property? So um, he exceeded up until this last ten (laughs) percent. Okay, now we know it's okay, kind of not okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And honestly,
0: Malik and Nui warned that like it's just Mm -hmm. something that they struggle with. And next time I actually might hire a handyman to do the punch list because it might save me more money on the time part of this. Um, and then with, not to bear it down, there was the extenuated circumstances that he was literally injured for three weeks and like stuck at home. So timing of that also kind of made it exaggerated. But the reason why I I chose him to do property number two is that he, as far as I could tell, he was doing a good job of property number one. Um, he was moving extremely quickly, um, you know, he was communicating well and things of that nature. Uh, and, you know, you know, generally speaking, I was happy with, you know, the relationship and the direction it was going.
2: Yeah. And how'd you find that second property? And is it in the same neighborhood as the first one, or did, did it's you have a realtor helping you?
0: away from each other. Uh, is
2: it really? And did you have a realtor helping you to make that connection? And you said two minutes from the first one okay
0: so i went through a couple of realtors as well (laughs) (laughs) um so at first i found a realtor just through like googling or youtube like memphis investors and people popped up right um and i um my first realtor she actually was good um but she went on maternity leave and never called me back um and so i said okay and then the next one um I found her by accident. Actually, I called the listing agent and she picked up and she was not the listing agent. She was like, this company has not changed their number, but I'm happy to help you. Uh, <laughs> and I was like, sure. <laughs> How quickly can you write an offer? <laughs> and and she worked with me for a while um, and then she stopped answering. There was no love loss on that one either. Um, because keep in mind that I was making several offers that were not getting accepted. It took over 20 to get one accepted.
2: Oh, I'm glad okay. you said that. I'm glad yeah. we have to set that expectation, right? That it's just.
0: It's a numbers game. It's, it's a numbers, numbers game. And I, I know there was talk at least at one point of the course about the funnel and, you know, where are you getting jammed up in the funnel? And that actually really focused yeah. my yeah. mindsets because I actually increased the number of offers that I was making. At one point yeah. I was making two to six offers a week. I mean, oh, I wow. was
1: yeah. turning okay.
2: So Turn wait, how many agents were you working with at that point? Was it the one, same agent or like two or three that were, were helping you or? Sure, so, sure. <laughs> so oh.
0: after the first two, like, like I, I stopped working with them. You know, no no love loss. Uh, I now work with a agent that works only with out-of-state investors. He oh. doesn't want properties. He's you know gonna do quite frankly bare minimum work uh, things of that nature. If you ask him for his opinion on ARVs and stuff like that, he'll give it to you. but he's a high volume you know realtor that has but the reason why I work with him is because he has um essentially assistants or people on his team that churn out offers quick. And so, for example, I can email his team and say, here are the terms, conditions, write me off an offer. And there's a good chance that I can get a response and I'll, I'll offer to sign within like a half an hour. Definitely, oh Definitely within 24 hours, but usually Wait. quick, quick, quick. Wait. So that's what I pay. Ready. That's the value that they add there is that they just churn out volume. Um, so I use him. And then I also will also use the listing agent. Um, it is a struggle still to get listing agents to call you back. I don't know why. Um, <laughs> it's just, um, you know, and I've even talked to Pollock about that. That's just a hurdle. Um, now if I run into that, um, I call the agent that will actually turn out the offer and say, Hey, can you get the, can you write this offer
2: for me? Mm-hmm. Whoever can answer. Right. Yeah. Okay. So the second property was MLS. Wholesale deal. Oh, okay. down through, I think the same Facebook group. No way. And somebody was asking in, in the comments, um, what Facebook group do, do, I mean, just, I don't even know, but I
0: find every single one that looked credible, that said like something about Memphis and investing in real estate. Yeah. So like, there's probably like three different local groups that I'm a part of. Um, and I was looking for like, are they active? Cause that like, Facebook will even show you like, when's the last comment and how many members it has. And so if it was having activity, I was joined.
1: Okay. Okay. So your some, yeah, there's some guidelines in the, in the modules too. But one thing the new, one new thing that I recently learned is even though it's Facebook groups for parents, you'll see people often ask each other for contractor recommendations. And because, you know. I know there are homeowner contractors but if you're just building a list of people you can call and see if they're a good fit yeah uh, that's one more option yeah i, I love that tasha that you like went in and I joined that Oops.
2: i love that okay yeah. so i uh, want a couple more questions and these are kind of fast so uh diane and jim great question who walks the property for you if your realtor isn't doing it so the contractor is the contractor will oh, okay walk it for me
0: um, and take pictures, and then the way that because again, we're doing pretty high volume. um, you know, we might I might have him walk three and make an offer on one, right? Um, okay. and um, and so, um, he walks them for me. If it's something that I think I have a good shot of getting under contract or I am under contract, I ask him to do a line out of budget because it takes him a while. It takes him a couple of hours. To give me a line on a budget. If it's something that I'm not under contract I do, or I just need an estimate for an offer, then I say, just give me your, your estimate, like one line, like your, your, your ballpark, you know, line item. And that still takes him a while. Cause he takes his estimates pretty seriously. He doesn't just
2: sort of guesstimate. Um, but that, and I use that from. Okay. Okay. So purchase price and ARV and where are you with property number two?
0: Property number two should be done in the next month.
2: Wow, that's amazing. Okay, so what did you buy it for, and then ARV, and what is the budget for rehab on that one? I don't think you've I don't think you've shared that. I'm sure, sure. it
0: okay. is about eleven hundred square feet. I have purchased it five um, fifty four fifty four thousand five hundred. Um, this is where we're really getting outside of the Goldilocks principle. But again, at this point, I've had comfort with my investor or with my contractor um and things of that nature um it was a house that had essentially to be honest it was a hoarder house meaning it had junk and stuff through the windows Mm -hmm. i did walk it i could not get past like the first room because there was just so much trash in it so essentially it was almost sight unseen so you couldn't access a lot
2: of the areas yeah
1: Yeah. hoarder houses aren't bad it's better than
2: mold and walls missing. So then, what is the rehab for that one? The budget or the yeah, what your budget? That has. rehab budget is sixty five thousand. Oh, okay. Um, it's a
0: smaller house. It's about like I said, eleven $1, hundred per feet. Yeah. Um. So oh, that right. sixty five thousand goes up really far on that one. Um. And I had a pretty hefty contingency in that because literally, I I couldn't see the floors. Uh, I couldn't see anything. Um. On that, and so. Um, you know, talk through with my contractor and also other investors to like, okay, what's, you know, what could my plumbing budget be if we start opening up stuff and using that type of information for my budget?
2: Oh, and then you you padded it just like you did with the first house. You padded your your budget and then said to your contractor, okay, did you think about this and think about that? Yes. Okay. What do you think the RV could be on a house like that
0: or will be? This one, I think it's going to be about 155. Um, It was a two bedroom one. We're converting the the dining room into a three.
2: That's where we're getting about a $20,000 bump in ARV on that one. So um, I've got some great questions. Rami asks, how do you determine the rehab budget for the two to six houses slash offers a week so is it based on guesstimates or do you send your gc for each one so you would most, assess- of
0: the, most of them my gc is walking um there are some like out of let's say it's four offers out of those my gc probably walked two and then the other two the numbers are so good that i can make it work on that if my offer gets
2: say. Okay. gotcha and so okay how big is your contractor's crew Forgot, but he probably has about three or four crews. Okay. Okay. And then how much was your trash removal for the hoarder house? I don't remember, but I we're on dumpster number nine right now. So I guess
0: nine, <laughs> I think the dumpsters are about 600. So something like that, the dumpster part. And then it took, they actually got it cleared out pretty quickly. I was impressed by that. But it probably took four or five days, full day, like full time, sun up to sundown of clean
2: and so when do you think that will be done? Did you say, is it, you said it about a month. It should yeah, be and a month. month. And incredible. Okay, I want to go back to the first house because you're almost, once this punch list is done, you're almost ready to rent it out. So what happens next for you? Do you have a property manager? You're going to list it. You're doing it. I'm to going to um,
0: list it for rent myself and give it a shot on that. Um, I self-manage my own portfolio here in Houston. Um, I have seven rentals in Houston. Um, and so this is, or actually more than that, sorry, 10, ten rentals in Houston. Houston. Um, <laughs> and uh, I self-manage. And so I'm going to give it a shot to do the remote
2: self-manage. What do you think you might be able to get rent-wise for this property? I think about 1550 to 1580 I wanna talk with you a little bit about, and we've got a lot of questions, so I'm gonna try and get to those, but I wanna talk with you about um, about your mindset and about how the program has helped you prepare for just real estate today. Like uh, it's just every year, is di- every month is different, isn't it? So how has the program and how has your mindset, which is your own, <laughs> helped you get through all this?
0: I think the biggest mindset shift through the program was looking at it from the lens of sort of almost like you would with corporate America. Um, Like I said, I've been investing for real estate for a while, and I never was big on DIY. Like, for example, I learned very quickly that if I had to pick up a hammer and do stuff, I wouldn't be doing this business very long. Um, But I think the biggest mind shift is on the scaling side, looking at it as if you were in corporate America, you know, almost like, you know, I don't do private equity, but my firm does. You know, how would a private equity person type do it? And that—that's not the the verbiage that's used, but the mindset, like you're know, like, okay, oh, if I look at it from that angle, how would I do it? And I think that has been the biggest mind shift for
2: me. Well, I'm thinking is you're talking the amount of offers that you've put out there, and the right the the work that you put in on the front end is incredible, and 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 that maybe from your corporate background right it's just kind of like it's kind of like a numbers game and you work with the numbers and you put it out there so beth is asking how does one go about compensating a contractor walking through homes and then making offers um what criteria did you give him in placing offers do you both discuss it first before he places one so like do you compensate what do you so yeah um again this contractor was really off uh hungry and
0: i started to feel bad when we're on property number you know eight that he's walked and he doesn't have a deal. And so I offered him about $50, 000, $50 to walk it. I mean, it takes him about, I don't know, a half an hour to walk a property, maybe another half an hour to put the budget and drive, you know, Memphis is in bed. So, you know, we're talking about an hour to an hour and a half worth of work. Um, and so, and then obviously if we get the contract, he, he gets the job. Um, at first she said no to the $50. And then after like, you know, property number upteenth that no deal, he was like, I'll take that $50 shot. <laughs> <laughs> um,
2: um Azine is asking, what were the asking prices for both houses? Did you did you have to pay more than the asking price?
0: So the first house, it was originally listed for like 110, 115. It was on the market for about four months. Wow. Um and I paid right under asking for it. By the time they lowered it, I think they lowered it to like ninety nine or ninety eight, something like that. So it was pretty close to to asking. The wholesale deal, I paid full ask.
2: Say so that the that second one. I'm sorry, was the second one I paid the full price. Okay,
1: full price. What's kind of like if you look back and think about yourself before being an investor versus now? How do you see yourself differently? You know, for someone who is listening to you talk now, you're so matter-of-fact, you're like, okay, boom, 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 this is how I did it. Oh, that didn't work. That's okay. Whatever. Contractor got hurt. I I figured it out. It just seems like you've you've got it all down, but I'm sure that's not how it all started. So if you see, you look at yourself mm-hmm. before and after, before you started investing in real estate, versus today, what's how have you changed? What's the biggest Difference in Tasha version 2.0. I'm sure there are many versions. In yeah, there are.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I think the biggest couple things. Everything has a solution. You might not know what the solution is right now, but everything has a solution uh, and is fixable. There are very few problems related to real estate. They're not fixable. We might not like the solution, but you know, there's a solution.
2: Love that. And can we go back a little bit to um, just the the portfolio program modules themselves? How have they helped you tactically kind of go through certain things? Like I've got a question here from Mayhul about finishes and other rehab items. Um, can you talk about finishes? like did you did you uh, like even just those small details, did you use the program? Did some things in the program help you or did you have other things in your past that you used? Just so we have an idea of how you went from, okay, you have this mindset, but like you tactically, what did you do to get to this place where you are?
0: I think the numbers gain mentality part was like, for example, the sales funnel. I, I very vividly remember that being shared during a call and that was a game changer
2: for me.
0: So like how many offers are you making? How many offers would be Like that was the biggest game changer for me, the finishes and things of that nature. Um, it was a combination. There were some things I think i used from the, the program, but also just, you know, my experience and things of that nature of doing other things and on research, uh, but coming up with the list and kind of sticking with it, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, um, another tactical thing, um, was so for example the $50 contractor that I think came from knitting I mean like all these things particularly in one way or another came from the program largely
2: Hmm. I was uh, I know we have all people in this group right this moment maybe watching even on Facebook of all different levels maybe they have just started I know there are several people who just started the program just started their first module and are wondering how do i get to the point where i have two burrs in one year like how do we do that we'd love i'd love to hear get your thoughts on uh, i know it's been a while because you you know you have so many properties under your belt but what what can you say to someone who's just like just starting out and just going through the modules and kind of learning a lot and kind of drinking from the fire hose and getting all this knowledge but how would you help them sort of see this as just sort of the step in the process start and one step at a time um,
0: and rely on your accountability group. My accountability group, I I think one of them might even be in here um, has been key. Um, It's not all peaches and rainbows by any means. There are times where I'm like, (laughs) you know, (laughs) and I use the, the accountability group to kind of vent and talk through those. Also, I think, you know, I remember in vividly in 2019 in Houston, I was trying to find bare deals in Houston. It was getting outbid. People were doing cash offers, big rehabs. And I was like, I'm totally intimidated. I don't know how to do any of this. Like, I can't do cash deals. I can't do big rehabs. I know nothing about X, Y, and Z. How are people doing this? And that's actually why I started looking at the program. But I was like, I'm missing something. Like people have knowledge and so, Like there are too many people that are, have figured this out, that it's not a secret. Like there's, I'm missing something. And so that's actually why I joined the program because I was like, okay, I think that's the part that I'm missing. Like, you know, people are, you know, there aren't that many rich people walking around, <laughs> you know? Like, there's something that I'm not, you know, gathering. And so I remember in 2019 being like, how the heck are people doing this? I don't, what? And then I remember taking the program and being like, oh, that's what people mean. And I say, okay. Uh, okay. All right. All right. I, I understand the game now.
2: It's a game, yeah. right? And we, I, we just I need love, to, do the- I love it. Yeah. And Pollock, I love this. I love these sensei sessions, Tasha. I love these sensei sessions because I think it helps people to understand. And I mean, i not talk about it, not just in real estate, but with anything, it's like, Real people are doing this real stuff. Hi. Like you're really, like you really put in X amount of offers in one week. Like you really called all of these agents and was like, I need your help. I don't
1: need it's your help. baby. You know, like you did all that. Yeah. It's a baby. I had a full-time job and yes. like all of that. You did it. Oh you my God. It. I'm so proud of you, Tasha. <laughs> I mean,
0: Thank you. Oh
1: my God. Um, it's amazing. Can I? Go, please. Cheryl, is it okay if I ask everyone to put their takeaways in the chat while we're talking more? Guys, I'd love to know what's it I mean there was so much gold shared here, but what's what are some of your takeaways as you think of them? Type them because I, I would love to know.
2: I'm gonna ask you, Tasha, just a couple more questions and like what's next for you? What what happens now? Like things don't get less busy, but <laughs> what's next on your radar? Sure. Um so I definitely am focusing on,
0: you know, getting the properties this rented out. Um, and after that, the rehab part, um, I go back and forth about, and I'm continuing the acquisitions now, or I'm going to pause a couple of months. Um, I depend on what day you ask me. I'm, um, when I see something hit my inbox, it's hard for me not to analyze and see if I'm going to make an offer or not. Um, but I will continue to make offers and acquire, um, this year. I might pause for a couple of months and then pick back up in November. Um, But um, keep going.
2: I have one last question. And it was something that you mentioned earlier about accountability groups. Um, We could talk with you for days. I know this, but I feel like, um, you know, people are so busy. Like we're so busy. And I know you're busy. And yet you took the time to find a group. How did you find the group? You must, I think, take time to connect with them. So, how do you fit that in? Well, I know how you fit it in. You don't watch Netflix. I got to work on that. But um, (laughs) can you talk about like how important that has been to your development as an investor? (laughs) Definitely.
0: You know, I think that your community is a reflection of you and your growth, right? Um, So it definitely is a big part how I fit it in. I mean, it's text messages. Um, Honestly, if I'm walking to or from a meeting, I tend to look at my phone and respond right then and there. Um, It's not something that, you know, I carve out any dedicated time. It's, you know, and sometimes I'll have to say, I need to think about that and get back with you because that, you know, requires something that more than I can take, you know, uh, text back in in 90 seconds. Uh, But it's, it's a lot of it is just, I ask myself repeatedly, am I taking action?
1: Don't forget, when you're ready to get serious, you can join us at theinvestoraccelerator.com.
0: It's like getting a thousand episodes worth of information in five days, and it's everything you need to build your actionable plan to financial freedom and making work optional.